0: You are in the grotto pod. I am mm-hmm. in the Grotto Pod. Joining me here today, of course, is Bridget Quinn, author.
1: Already stepping on your lines.
0: Already stepping on my lines. Yeah. We are in the Grotto Pod together, it feels like, for the first time in a I know. month. I Have you missed me? Of course. I've missed you a are lot. Are you kidding?
1: I listened to your other podcast, which shall go unnamed, and was very amused by it, I have to say. My,
0: you can say the name of my other podcast, since I always say the name of that one, of this one, on that podcast. Is
1: it good for the Jews? You
0: listened to it for the Jews. Did you listen to the episodes of the Grotto Pod with Lee Daniel Kravitz? I did. I I was
1: a little bit. Um, I was a little bit sad at how good he was. <laughs>
0: I hear Lee, and I'm like, we're both expendable.
1: <laughs> I know. He was adorable and also smart.
0: And a good listener. You know, that's his job.
1: I know he's good at that.
0: He's it's his job. Larry, he's, if I can say, therapist. we have many
1: things in common, actually, you and yes, I. But yes. Being good listeners is one of the things we don't have in
0: common. Mm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we try to be.
0: I work on it. I had to take a little break there for some water. I know.
1: I work on it, too. Uh, the,
0: the occasion that brings us back together Hooray. is to record a podcast episode with mm. guest Mary Jo McConaughey.
1: Whose book, The Tango War, just was, came out. Well, it
0: was released yesterday. We're recording this on mm-hmm. September 20th. Perhaps a significant day in my life. Uh,
1: because it's a day after Yom
0: Kippur? No, it's my anniversary.
1: Oh, happy anniversary. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I chose today to record not one, but maybe two podcasts. Oh, two. Okay, two. And have a meeting. And before all that happens, though, we're going to have Mary Jo McConaughey in here. Uh, Apparently last night launch event for her book, The Tango War... Uh,
1: Big event last night. I was out event. of town. Yeah, yeah. So I was not able to go. As and, was I. Yes. And, uh, but saw it on social media and also heard from the peeps, the Grotto peeps, mm-hmm. that it was packed and lively and fantastic. Packed,
0: okay. lively, fantastic. Uh, uh, she is uh, a new Grotto member, but not a new writer. Not at all. She is a seasoned international Completely. correspondent, journalist, war correspondent know, at that times. That's
1: crazy, right?
0: I want to find out what makes this woman tick. Yeah. Because I think she had spent a lot of her adult life out of the country. Which brings us to the Tango War. And, in fact, she's done, um, you know, she. In, we may have to browbeat her a little bit because in her bio she refers to herself as an accidental filmmaker. And I know some people who have been trying mm-hmm. on purpose to get some films to make with little success.
1: Yeah, and also um, I think she's pretty well regarded.
0: She is pretty well regarded. And, and it's not just the Tango War that focuses on Latin America. In fact, most of her work does. Her documentaries are Discovering Dominga, prize-winning PBS film. Uh, Father Bill, Rebel Priest, The Border Wall. Yeah, of
1: course, I want to talk about
0: that a lot. Crime Buster. So she's found her niche, uh, or at least her geographic niche, I guess you could say. So with the new book, uh, what she does is she traces, uh, you know, it's kind of an eye-opener, things we didn't know were happening during World War II. And what it boils down to is basically a battle for the resources, hearts, and minds of the Latin American countries by the Allies and the Axis. Right, And it starts way before World War II. It starts, geez... I don't know, you
1: know? It's interesting. It's kind of like this is an untapped story right. of a era you'd think is kind of getting tapped out. Yes. But uh, what a vein of gold, just to keep the metaphor going. And isn't there some new <laughs> movie about the Nazis going to Argentina? Like, I wonder if this mm, is—, if this that's is a,
0: Yeah, that, is that the one—if uh, it's the one I'm thinking of, Big in the Jewish Circles, which yeah, I travel I in. Uh-huh. Uh, about some of us trying to track them down after World War exactly. II. Exactly. I can't
1: remember the name of it. Sorry, everybody. Google it. But uh, I just wonder if this isn't something where she's really hit the zeitgeist of.
0: Could be. You know, interest. if her. If her uh, well, we'll find out. You know, what sort of response other than a fabulous launch party that she's had, which
1: is always good. And thank you to Mary Jo for coming in today, day after. Yeah,
0: and she has another event tonight.
1: Okay. Well, we should get this going. Which then. is
0: in West Portal. Uh, in San Francisco. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that's for our local listeners, not one of our listeners in the other 70 countries worth of people who you download guys, the Grotto Guys, we need yeah. to
1: say hello to all of you. Yes. Say hi to us.
0: Yes. Um, you know, it, this is a real... I, I'm interested in in just how time-consuming mm. and thought-consuming it was doing the research for this, because this and is... And
1: how depressing, maybe.
0: Well, I don't know if it was depressing too much, because she really takes a... Um, I guess you'd say a nonpartisan approach. Yeah. Like this isn't like bad Germans, bad Americans, bad whoever. It's just here's what was going on. And and
1: I feel like America did some bad things.
0: Well, yeah, that that comes out a little bit. That's stuff we didn't know about. Yeah. But that's sort of the tenor of the time now.
1: Yeah. Um, And then.
0: (laughs) No, definitely not then. (laughs) Well, I guess that's true. Yeah. We were the heroes back then, but not so much now, according to. I guess when
1: I'm thinking know. about uh, Latin America in the 70s and 80s, just oh sure, yeah, not so good.
0: Yeah, I'm reading this, and I was reading this one, thinking, I wonder if she's come across Alberto yet.
1: Oh yeah, here at the Grotto, we need to introduce resident. Uh, he's got, Latin I think American he's got a book expert. coming out. I mean, it's not, it's not. No, he's working on it's, it. It's, it's not coming it's out. Not yet. coming out like any day now, but it's well in the pipeline. and It's going to be amazing.
0: And let's make sure not to let uh, Mary Jo out of here without discussing her unique living situation. Okay and her enthusiasm for sailing.
1: I, I really... Uh, she's a
0: world traveler. This yeah,
1: that's, that's like... Um, We're
0: lucky to get her. She's probably you, just here for today, and then she's off she to is. somewhere else. Yeah, she is. She yeah. is. She
1: is. So, yeah, we need to go get her. I mean, the thing I was going to say about sailing is I recently signed a board. It's not even sailing, uh, a trip that I thought I really wanted to do, and I really do want to do it, but it turns out it's going to be on a boat.
0: Oh, no. And
1: I have terrible seasickness, so I'm, wor- I'm worried about it. So I'll a ask about
0: A how to Ugh, combat the All All right, let's go get uh, Mary Joe McConaughey. No right. relation, and uh, we'll go from to there. Matthew, Matthew. McConaughey. <laughs>
1: no, because it's spelled different. That's how we—that's how we know for sure,
0: right? <laughs> yes. Okay, I will go get her. Okay. Mary Joe, welcome to the Grotto Pod. Thank you. It's I'm good glad and, to be. And I guess welcome to the Grotto in general. How I long know. have you been a
2: member? three years oh three years years? yeah but you know i have a home office so every time there's a meeting or a party Mm -hmm. i come Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) that's smart right
0: you know i actually use it not quite that cut and dried but i've found in the last year that i don't work here i'd Mm -hmm. come here to talk to people
1: i have started getting so much work done here and guess how i do it close your door come on the weekends (gasps) <gasps> oh. I know, oh my gosh
0: That's like a secret It's
2: kind of it's lonely and spooky you
1: No, know, but I only come with yeah. a niece oh, okay. <laughs> okay.
0: It is a little lonely and But it's, like,
1: I'm, it's crazy how, because it's so quiet And there's parking And there's parking mm-hmm. And you can't do anything else Like I can't pay bills, I can't yes. get roped into family stuff I just work, so anyway, highly recommend it And
0: since the internet never works
1: I know, that's what I love actually
0: uh, Since you mentioned your home office And I know this is sort of a segue, but you got to tell me about your living situation.
2: <laughs> okay, not, tell n- really. not too many details here, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but my work situation is such that I have a um, big room downstairs, mm-hmm. fortunately, and um, I have, you know, my my daughter lives in a little cottage in the back. Oh, yeah, yeah and but my, I
0: thought you lived on a boat.
2: Oh, I did. Oh. I've got to change that. On Update my, it. Updated. a website you're absolutely right yeah I did live on a boat for a long time and then um, then I didn't <laughs> but I loved it when I did. Um,
0: what made you decide to go back because I know in, in your bio it says you lost a couple apartments. The yes, condo I conversion, did.
2: yeah, which I just remember. as the,
0: as happens right, in San Francisco. Right. So you went the boat ride right on like a 1939 Chris Craft or oh, something like so that. What, no,
2: not a Chris Craft. It was made right here in San Francisco at the Nice, K N E A S S Boatyards, wow. which is an old traditional Very boatyard, cool. and it's called a Bay and Delta Cruiser, and it's a. Uh, Literally a classic because if they were built, if a wooden boat was built before 1939, which is, by the way, when the war started. Oh, yeah. When World War II started, it can be called a classic. And uh, I lived on it. And it was great. But I I started covering Latin America more and more. And, uh, uh, you know, my dad said, you know, wooden boat is... A hole you pour money into.
0: <laughs> Lots of and, people's dads say that, yeah, right?
2: Um, <laughs> and it's really true. And mm-hmm. it was time to do something else. Hmm. <laughs> My dad used to say that about horses.
0: <laughs> that there a wooden hole in the water you pour hole into?
2: No, that there
1: are a hole you pour money into, uh, in. right?
0: Now you say you started covering Latin America, but it seems to me that you've always covered Latin America. So let's let's dive back into that then. Um,
1: By the way, we've said what your book is about. Oh,
0: oh yeah, right. we did the intro and we explained but, the new but book.
1: You might want to expand upon the idea that it's of the mo- about what spe- spe- oh my god I cannot talk it's today it's easy for you to say uh, specifically beyond Latin America during World War II you know mm. what, and how did it um, come into your frame of interest I mean it really does seem a kind of untapped story
2: of the war years mm. when
1: so much has been written about
2: right it is it was untapped and I think that's where a lot of the interest is coming mm. from at least to pick it up and I used to hear stories from my dad, who was a Navy veteran from World War II. And uh, some of the stories were in Latin America, in Florianopolis and Buenos Aires and Natal, which is out on the hump of Brazil. And, of course, he uh, served in a lot of places, but those used to fascinate me because I was interested in Latin America anyway. But I could never find a single book. I wanted to start mm-hmm. with a single book that could give me the overview. Something that right. wasn't mm-hmm. that academic. Uh, uh, something that I could just sit down and read. And I could not find a book in English. So I said, "Well, I want to write the book I want that to read. Book. That's the best way.
1: So, it Really is."
0: And what we started to say was, "You had been working down there for much of your career."
2: I started after uh, leaving uh, UC Berkeley before graduation but I found out very recently really? that I had enough credits to oh, good. call myself graduated Congratulations. but nobody's yes. ever Hooray. asked nobody's ever asked me Isn't and so all funny? my years as a journalist uh, do you have your degree <laughs> can you show <laughs> me, you me your degree it? please right. <laughs> does anyone know so, where their degree is Right. <laughs> yeah. I do. Oh, so that's one good thing and no I just wanted to write and I just wanted to report and I just wanted to travel so I went to Mexico and I started working for uh, freelance for magazines and I wrote for Rolling Stone for Ms and then this job Came up in no, not in Latin America, in Saudi Arabia. Whoa! <laughs> it's the biggest English language daily in the Gulf. Wow. Uh, and what year, what year was this? Oh God, it was in the seventies, and it was a perfect time to be there because um, the uh, Iranian Revolution was the late fresh, 70s. and um, Saudi Arabia was just coming out of. Feudalism, frankly. I mean, it had just not had a lot of contact with the world, mm-hmm. except for a very, very elite few people who went to the same schools as mm-hmm. we all did. You right. Know?
0: I you know, that's funny. I would just say who would then show up at, at Berkeley. our, yeah, yeah. our college. Berkeley. Yeah. I
2: mean, I remember one night, Uh, sitting around with the minister of this and the minister of that and the opening of a new town, believe it or not. They just started from zero and made a town. And it was a big argument between Stanford and Berkeley about a football game in some year.
0: Wasn't that amazing? Thinking back now that these guys would show up and we would just think, oh, who's that guy? Well, you have no idea how much money and power his family has.
2: Yeah, and they ran the countries. Although the guys that you really worked with were not the ones necessarily from the royal family. They were either Palestinians who made everything work in, in Saudi Arabia, or they were from other groups, other tribes who had gone to school and made a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. The royal family often had the top titles mm-hmm. and these other folks they were getting really the stuff done, made it all work. So it's like real feudalism. Actually.
0: But let's back yeah. up even further then. Um, you know, clearly from the start, you had an interest in international journalism. I did. So explain to so us. interesting. And in your bio, you mentioned that you grew up with four brothers and sisters.
2: Actually, we were six.
0: Okay, six. <laughs> and your family just traveled a lot.
2: Well, we would travel in limited periods because my dad had an eight to five job right. and two weeks, I think once we had three weeks, vacation in the summer and we'd pack into the car. I didn't even stay in a hotel until I was well into my 20s mm. working as a flight attendant to get money to go back to school. And um, we would just go in the car and and camp at all of these wonderful parks and all of these great places out in the West. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we'd go as far as Chicago, where the family's from. Okay, But there was just a lot of getting to know the country, and eventually I wanted to know other places. And where did you grow up? In Southern California. Uh, Which part? Uh, Monrovia, then Glendora. Okay. It's um, outside of L.A.
0: And you're qualified to say it was really nice back then.
2: Listen, I grew up in an orange grove. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six acres, clear skies, the mountains right there. It wasn't too nice when there were fires, but. Right. Same problem still, right? It's uh, the yeah. same problem, isn't it? Yeah. Here in the yeah. north.
0: But that idea, you know, how California has changed. You know, originally, the original nickname of Silicon Valley, the Santa Clara mm-hmm. Valley, was the Valley of the Heart's Delight.
2: Yeah. Really? And that was orange groves as well. There's Mm -hmm. some product. Is it artichoke hearts or something called heart's delight? It could be from It might be. It was all orchards, yeah. Yeah, and and all the grapes.
0: So somewhere along the line, though, I don't know if I would call it wanderlust so much as just uh, a thirst for knowledge about new places, it seems like.
2: I think what it was was I liked to travel, Mm -hmm. and I didn't like to just travel and do nothing. I wanted to write about wherever I was. And uh I wouldn't call it travel with a purpose, but it was sort of travel with something to do with what I was saying. Well,
0: if you got to pay your own way, that's pretty well, cool. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Amazing, right? Exactly. The first uh year I lived in Mexico I was Really writing for barter uh, with a couple mm. of small magazines that uh, would trade for hotel chits or of things, were you writing in English? I was just yes, gonna I was. That. yes I was yes, yeah. I was no i don 't dare. Uh, Our daughter grew up in when we lived in Guatemala and she 's a native spanish yeah. speaker yeah. and and she you know writes in both, but there is there's no way. I I, I, know, speak, I can't imagine. Yeah, I speak it fine, but writing is really different. I agree. I yeah. completely agree. And
0: speaking of writing the way you describe it, it sounds like the, the wanderlust, I just use the word twice. <laughs>
2: Good word, though. Came
0: first, or did the writing come first? Or was the writing a way to support the wanderlust?
2: No, you know, I'm one of those kids that had their first stories in the Grammar School newspaper. we We asked
0: that question. What was the moment when someone said, ooh, you're good? Right. It
2: was about a raindrop that made that whole cycle from the cloud to the river and got picked up by Louis Pasteur. And Holy moly. I mean, it was bizarre. <laughs> and in it, he... Puts it under the microscope and develops the theory of pasteurization. And this was
1: told from the POV of the rainwater, rain. drop. That's from ball the raindrop. Me, I was
2: only in <laughs> sixth grade. So. I don't know, I, I think it. that'd be a good story now. I know. It's <laughs> so good.
1: That's it's
0: very so good. creative.
2: Yeah.
0: But though you were that creative, it was reporting that spoke to you.
2: It was Vietnam. Mm-hmm. happened oh, when I was mm-hmm. at an impressionable age, mm-hmm. one where uh, my male friends were either gone to war or asking me to stand up for them when they signed up for conscientious objection. Mm-hmm. And so I went to work for a small anti-war newspaper for servicemen called The Ally, which was run out of several mailboxes in mm-hmm. Berkeley. Mm-hmm. and uh, was very pro-serviceman. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, that's where we got a lot of our stories. Pro-serviceman,
0: uh, Now, at the time, was that unusual?
2: I think it must have been, especially in Berkeley, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but these were guys just like us. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, the draft, the draft. And the draft. I mean, and, the draft. Yeah. Uh, and they ended up uh, at, at war. And so... Um, I always like to think of it as part of the, part of the war resistors movement. Mm-hmm. But it was – pro, and, and that's more or less how I am today, you know. Mm-hmm. I pro, pro Obviously, you mm-hmm. know, these – a lot of people just get swept up. And uh, I mean a lot of people go voluntarily into the service and others are swept up.
0: Mm-hmm. And was this before – what's sticking to my mind is the flight attendant comment. So mm-hmm. was this before you were at Berkeley at school?
2: It was just before enduring,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, just before enduring, and, during. and uh, uh, I, I, I just got attached to it. And there was a certain point where I said, "Well, I could do this." Um, you know, the war was going to was over, and uh, I just decided to go down, which. It seemed as if you could do then. I don't know if you can do it now, mm. but go down and be a foreign correspondent. <laughs> it's amazing to me that you can just drop in. But I, I think I, you could. You
0: I think you can. Could. I just think it's hard to get paid.
2: No, it it, it it is right at first. That's why when I talk at a journalism school
0: mm-hmm.
2: or at um, yeah, that's yeah, fine. yeah.
0: Please that's have some right. water. Absolutely,
2: we.
1: Just keep rolling. Mm. That's how we do it.
0: Yep, that's how we do it. In
1: the 415. Digital is so oh, great. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: <laughs> you were saying. <laughs> you, you
2: dropped in. You dropped and in. And how do you a, get paid? Right.
0: Right. How do
2: you get paid? When I speak at journalism schools, and uh, this is something I don't, sometimes I don't get invited back because one of the first things I say is you don't actually need a journalism degree. It's wonderful to have. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful to have. But um, in my case, and in the case of other people I knew, um, you know, Steve Kinzer, Ray Bonner, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 Joe Fitchett from the Herald Tribune, um, they came from other places Mm -hmm. and were fascinated by the story. And I tell students, make sure you have enough money for a good solid year where you don't have to teach English. You don't have to do anything except follow your stories. In six months. That's great advice. In six months, you'll have a string.
0: When you went in as a war correspondent, you went as a freelancer. You didn't go on staff for anyone?
2: No, and I I didn't um, go as a war correspondent. I went as a... A person who wanted to do stories from the field. I think Mm -hmm. the first big story I had was um, Americans in Mexican jails for Rolling Stone. People who had... Uh,
0: so what was it like writing for Rolling Stone? This is in the 70s? Oh, yeah, this was the
2: heyday. This was the heyday. So you know, you walked right down... Um, yeah, it was south Market. Was yeah. right here, yeah.
0: How wide and, was Jan um, Wenner's tie, was it?
2: Let me tell you something. When I went in there, because I didn't hear immediately back from them, and I happened mm-hmm. to be in San Francisco. This you just how, popped in? This is how naive I was. I... I went in there, and the editor that I'd been in touch with said, "Oh, Jan really likes this," and I said, "Who's Jan?" Oh. So oh, I
0: actually love
2: that. That's fantastic. Well, that to... You need a little bit of that. I, mean, yeah. I, I I was pretty green, but anyway, they they ran the story, and it was and it was great. And then it was one thing after another after that, and then I started working on uh, staff for Arab News mm-hmm. and then had all the most wonderful strings in the world, International Herald Tribune and, uh, oh, you know, the AP. and uh, Because, well, frankly, in Saudi Arabia, there <laughs> are not that many American right. reporters. Mm-hmm.
1: How did you end up back in Latin America then, after that?
2: Uh, it was just time. I'd mm-hmm. spent several years there and the opportunity came up to go with some friends to take the long road, Home across Asia and the Pacific, wow. and living on Trimoran and in New Guinea, and all of these things. So I couldn't, Amazing. I couldn't pass it up. And then I, I heard of this place called Pacific News Service, mm-hmm. and I thought mm, Pacific—it's about the Pacific, right? And I went in with a story that i saved string on. About the um, liberation movements in the different island areas, East Timor and yeah. Vanuatu, and those places, and uh, they took this story, Sandy Close, my wow. the wonderful Sandy Close, and um, I went in there to 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 pick up my minuscule paycheck, and. Uh, she said, "You speak Spanish, don't you?" And I said, nah, "You know, not really." And in the poquito. next, thing, I Enough. was covering all the Salvadorans that were coming. How up, was your, so. now
0: How good did your Spanish need to be for that?
2: I taped everything. You did. Just spent hours, yeah. and then um, pretty soon it got
0: got better. I must say,
2: real good. And how's your Arabic? Actually, it's not very good because mm-hmm. I studied it, and all the people I spoke to were always. Uh, English speakers, oh, you know, okay. it's one of the right. most educated right. places right. at a certain level. Now, with the women, uh, I I had to have some basic words, and I did, and we just laughed a lot and ate together, and mm-hmm. it was fine. But I must say, it's, it, you know, when at the end of it all, when they say, what's your big regret, and I'm say, oh, I didn't continue with the Arabic. Yeah, well, I wonder if, sure. if
0: that adds a, another layer in reporting when you're trying to characterize someone or, or, you know, get the facts if you can't understand every word they're saying, you know, what sort of challenge does that pose?
2: It's huge for the kind of reporting I started doing from Latin America and for the kind of reporting I do in The Tangle War Mm -hmm. and what I did in my other, my earlier books, which are memoirs about Latin America. That's um, Maya Rhodes, uh, One Woman's Journey Among the People of the Rainforest, and Ricochet two women war reporters, and A Friendship Under Fire. You really needed to speak the language. Mm -hmm. But for the kind of reporting I was doing in Saudi uh, and in a little bit of North Africa, it was really... Not that kind of
0: reporting.
2: I mean, it would have been wonderful, and I could Correct. have gone Especially, mm-hmm. like you were saying, to talk to women, it would be an amazing perspective to have right. Yeah, but even some of the women upon, you know, that I would report on were English speakers, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Yeah. So you were in Latin America when,
1: I mean, not obviously in World War II years, but when it, it was kind of a powder keg of things going on. I right. mean, uh, those were a huge years, especially right. with America. Right.
0: Before we get to specifics, I want to ask you, the life you're describing clearly isn't a life that everyone would take on because it puts you at times in danger. And it must be really challenging personally to carry on your personal life when you're moving all around and you're in a war zone. Talk a little bit about both of those things, the situations where you were in danger and how you dealt with that and how it impacted your personal life.
2: Well, about your social life, you tend to choose your Mm-hmm. Social you, you run with a pack of reporters from the, from the reporters and those who will deal with it, like uh, the man that became my husband, <laughs> mm-hmm. deal with it, you see, but I think that as far as danger, of course it 's just part of the job it 's mm-hmm. just part of the job, and uh, there are so many people that are in so much more danger mm-hmm. in for instance the the fellow reporters uh, the ricochet starts with a day reporting on an election in El Salvador when three of our colleagues were killed. And they were all... uh, Two were Salvadoran and one was uh, Dutch. Hmm. And... uh, People from other countries, I'm not saying Americans are never targets, they are, but the people from the countries where the war is taking right. place are much more at risk. Right. Look at Mexico right now. Right, right, right.
0: Does anyone, and I guess you included, you ever see that and get to a point where you think, no, nah, this is too much, this is ridiculous? You know, being in danger is one thing, being in danger is another thing, I'm out of here. I've-
2: What happened with me was I got very attached to the story. Mm -hmm. But that's what Ricochet is about. My best friend and I, she was a a, a photographer. And that night that the three were killed, she just said, you know, I just can't take another picture of a dead body. Right.
0: In those years. That's another toll that, you know, I would imagine it takes. Just you see stuff that we don't see.
1: Yes. I mean, I remember reading New Yorker coverage of El Salvador in the 80s or maybe early 90s that still haunts me, and that's reading it.
2: Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, no, I mean, it had an impact. It was, it was it incredible, <laughs> I mean, it was incredible, incredible the writing. writing. Must have been great. Was oh, it? Was, just, it was, do you remember who
1: it was? Um, John Lee Anderson. It was or, the. It's um, the story uh, of, and I'm sorry, I'm going to m- yeah. remember the name. El Matate. El, Mat- El, Maslote. El Maslote. Yeah, that was
2: by. Oh my God, that story. Yeah, no, no, that's that was fabulous, and you know, El Matate continues to be an incredible story mm-hmm. some 900 people were killed yeah. and i just two years ago did a story on there trying to get some justice for that so it's one of the things that i make a point of in the tangle war mm-hmm. that is that once war starts right, right. there's not a limit on mm-hmm. it that ends and also the rituals just go through time exactly exactly Absolutely. even people that are separated during the wars
0: Well, that's a good jumping off point to talk about the Tango War then, though there's still a ton more questions I have about the weight of doing what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, You talked a little bit about how you got the idea to do it, that you realized this was a completely underreported part of history. Once you get the idea, talk a little bit about the position you were in uh, that allowed you to decide this is the right time to go after it. And then we'll get into how you went after it.
2: Mm. As I said, I've done. I had done the other two books, and they were in the memoir genre. And I loved Latin America. I didn't want to split away for a, a third book, but um, I didn't want it to be about myself. And um, I started talking about the idea with my agent, uh, Andy Ross, one of the world's best, and um, he was so excited about it that oh, that's I, nice I figured it was yes because Andy's not excited about every idea <laughs> I
0: have and how fully formed was it in your head was it just stories what? stories it was just
2: little stories mm-hmm. that I well some not so little that I'd heard here and there and that was the way I presented it to him and he said, get me a proposal and in in fact this goes to a little bit of the style of the book. I'm not an historian, as we've been talking about. I'm a journalist. And I thought, well, I'll start. What year will I start in? Mm-hmm. Is it 32? You know, Is it the beginning of the Nazis? Is it 33? Is it nope, 35, go 39? You know, well, in one way, you go back further. But it just occurred to me, no, I, I just can't do it chronologically, step by mm-hmm. step by step by step. That's just not how I'd want to read it. And so there's there are be- there is a beginning and there is a middle and an end but it is a series of chapters that speak to different themes that are of mm-hmm. course connected
1: mm-hmm. i do think that's the best way to make history come alive the chronological model is also really dishonest in a certain way because mm. things well i think Because we try to impose a kind of order.
0: Just by the way, listeners, both Mary Jo and I both step back when. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: Well, that's a really great point. (laughs) Well, I mean, we we create a chronology by choosing what we're going to say this leads to this leads to this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And yet many things were happening in Mm. those years. Things were happening. And it's complicated and intertwined. And so sometimes I think the chronological model can be more dishonest than a kind of porthole. You're sure.
2: a- absolutely right, and I, I'm going to borrow that if you don't mind. Uh, sure, perhaps <laughs> <laughs> tonight at your reading. I mean, <laughs> right, tonight at my reading. Well, I mean, look, just look at the situation of, of, uh, of the Jews. To to look at the situation of Jews during World War II in Latin America, in the 30s or 40s would be totally dishonest. The first Jews came to Latin America on Columbus's ship, mm-hmm. six of them. And then there was the eugenics movement which affected right. if you were going to admit Jews and Italians for that matter in mm-hmm. your countries and all of that blew up mm-hmm. in the late 30s and and the 40s and it led to a a, a, a real crime in our country as well, mm-hmm. where we refused admission mm-hmm. to Jews who were fleeing mm-hmm. right. the Holocaust. Right.
0: They don't like us much, but that's a different story.
2: Americans anyway, the, world. the world,
1: yeah. The world, well, the world doesn't love us. <laughs> well... Yes, that's true. And that's a that's like that's the other thing about where you when you decide for a starting point, why not just go back to uh Spain expelling expelling the Jews? You know right. what I mean? You can go back forever. Well, uh, if that's so you have can. to choose a right. place
2: to start, right? <laughs> you can go back to the, the Romans and and you go all the way to... up
0: to the present. Right.
2: Well, well, you know exactly. what Larry just said, they- you know, everybody. You know, we're not popular. Like, but I'll tell you, who else is not popular? Are Asians, mm. Asians, in Latin America. So that when the war started for the United States, uh, Washington went down and, and kidnapped more than two thousand mm. ethnic Japanese and brought them to the United States. And that's been a story
1: that's been a big part of. So,
0: the, I have a question, and more of a nuts and bolts uh, way. <laughs> Talking about the structure of the book, yeah, yeah. I, I keep turning it over in my mind that you had written two memoirs and you had written a lot of news articles and a lot of feature articles. When tackling a big historic book like this, did not doing it in chronolog- chronological order make it somehow easier to get your arms
2: around? Sure, sure, because, for instance, going to Peru... And meeting Peruvian Japanese was a, a, you know, that took time. And I had, believe it or not, interviewed... In my neighborhood, one block away, were three survivors from a Texas mm-hmm. camp, which I had not known about at all till I started calling around to see if I could oh, really? talk to Oh, really? No, because I'm a journalist. I wanted to talk to some people mm-hmm. who had experienced these things. They would have had to have been young at the time, mm-hmm. although I interviewed a lot of Brazilian uh, soldiers who went over to Italy mm. to fight from the Smoking Cobras. They're in their 90s and sharp as a Mm -hmm. a tack. You know, my dad was a World War II vet. He's still alive. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that he has tales that he could tell. Oh, my God. Yeah. And And so, at any rate, um, it's the same kind of thinking that goes with memoir Mm -hmm. because you've met the people or you've been in the places. I wanted to go to all the places. Uh, Some people ask I love that you do that. I think that is fantastic.
0: But it's such a big... Undertaking.
2: Yeah, if I'd known at the beginning, I wouldn't have gone up there. Forget about, about it. You're not the
0: first person to say that. <laughs> I do. I want
2: to just quickly jump in because
1: I also write history, right? Uh-huh. Kind of popular writing about uh-huh. history. Um, and do you ever find because I find this especially in the first draft, I feel overwhelmed by all the connections I see. You know, and so you go to Peru and suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, there's this, but there's also this and this and this and this and mm-hmm. this and this. And that's so important to this thing over here that I'm going to talk How about How do you later. manage that, right.
0: though, as How far I as, like, balancing your... time and resources? Right.
2: I'm a and journalist. Narrative. You just I'm a keep journalist. Journalist. going. No, it's not just that you just oh. keep going, but you yeah. say, you know what goes into story. the story? Yeah. What mm-hmm. goes into the story? story? Figure what the headline yep. is yep. and make sure that everything that goes in the headline, which is sort of a made-up thing anyway and changes. But – It belongs there Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, anything else goes. Sounding so pompous, I must tell you that at the end (laughs) I had to cut 140 pages. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Is there any
1: way to repurpose that
2: in service of the book, like as an op ed or as? I'm uh... writing one blog after another right now, not just for my own. I mean, I haven't even been faithful to my own blog, I've been doing it for history sites for for women in history yeah. sites uh, believe me never throw a page I agree. away nothing is never. wasted
0: well never. and that's right. that I mean that serves two purposes too you get to use it but it also promotes the book
2: it promotes for the sure. book and, and you get to, stories out you get to revisit it yeah. mm-hmm. you go oh thank goodness it wasn't wasted. I always that's the
1: way I'm able to manage for example right now um, I just finished a chapter of my next book and realized that a much earlier chapter the story is actually something else than the one I told in
2: an earlier chapter Mm. Do you find that you don't really know what it is until you finish? Well, in a way, to God, no. but <laughs> yes. I mean, now that I'm more than a little more than halfway, I
1: suddenly realize, okay, this is actually one of the major themes of the mm-hmm. book that I hadn't even known existed, and now I have to go back and thread it through. But also, in at least one case, I have to completely rewrite the chapter. It comes out in the work itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the work. So, but but I. Completely agree with you that nothing is wasted, and so that's why I don't feel like I want to, you know, kill myself. Right. No, Whatever. It's like, it's okay, it sucks, but it has to 140 be done.
0: pages.
2: 140 pages. a lot. Pages. A lot yeah. And, you know, my editor looked at it and she goes, um.
0: <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> yeah. it, it. So, but it felt good to cut. She was absolutely right. I mean, yeah. I just cut and cut and cut, and I went, I know. They're almost always right, you know. (laughs) But also, Kirkus
1: loves it. Gave it a starred review. Mm -hmm. So exciting! Congratulations, and Publishers (laughs) Weekly. Oh my goodness, that's pretty huge. That's fantastic. (coughs) Congratulations. So it it seems like so far you've
0: emphasized researching by talking to sources, but in this case, most of your sources had to be dead. So how did you how did you meld? Speaking to sources versus you diving into libraries and getting into that stuff.
2: I spent a lot of time wearing white gloves in dusty archives. Where did you go? Oh, I went to the very first thing I did was go to southern Brazil because I knew a million Germans uh, lived there during the war. And uh, I don't. Want to depend on stereotypes, but these little German towns were very organized <laughs> <laughs> and they have the most wonderful archives and small museums. And so, were you researching in German? <laughs> no, I wasn't. It happens Almost all through. the I'm time. I'm
0: sorry. No, that's all right. It always happens. And sometimes it's, it's usually Bridget's phone.
2: Oh. No, that is so untrue. I'm <laughs> sorry all the happens. times
1: I ask people it's to never off their phone. Well, actually, well, it is sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah. That is you.
0: This is high quality. It is never mine. It's all right. Oh, my God. It's the
2: Sibling rivalry. I feel rising I in my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's, you know, my husband will talk to him later. <laughs> oh, she hung up on him so much. She hung so, up on her yeah, husband yeah, for he the knows, Grotto pod. 71 countries we go to. So the research was... Glorious! Yeah. I just envied historians that just spent all their time doing fun. it. It's not only was it fun, but it's a—it's a, like traveling. It's like being at a. Maybe he really needs you. Wow! I thought that was.
0: Okay. Okay. It's
2: a good story. And we're, we're back. Analysis. It's a good
0: story that Mary Jill's about to tell about Sandra Day O'Connor being in the back seat with her.
2: Okay, go. It actually, doesn't have to do with the book because I have another life as a documentary filmmaker. We're going to yeah. get to oh, that. Yeah, we'll talk okay, about okay. That. and I no, was doing. Way. I was working on a film, and I was in the back seat with. Sandra Day O'Connor, and under, As one is. <laughs> <laughs> under threat of death by uh, the main producer, if I asked her about the hanging chads and the decision in the um, gore. And it was just, yeah, yeah, right. So I mean, we're talking about a lot of things. Actually, it was absolutely fascinating oh, to listen to her. Well, uh, she, I, I can't remember who had just been nominated to the Supreme Court. And she said, you know, you, you would have thought they could have found a qualified woman in the whole country, but at any rate, my daughter called. My daughter was studying in in Chicago at the time, and I said, "Honey, I can't talk. I'm in the car with Sandra Day O'Connor," and um,
0: Sandy, she to me. sort
2: of looked at me, and I said. Oh, you want to talk to her? And she talked to her, and they had a lovely conversation. Nice. <laughs> that right. is crazy. It was wonderful. she was you answered. You're so, a good mom. She's so gracious. Well, it's a mom thing, you know. Actually, I have heard some really thoughtful, excellent interviews with her. Sandra she Day O'Connor. is yeah. wonderful. You know that she was... The she would nobody would hire her right. as a lawyer, right. and until the man about whom we made the film, the film is called Crime Buster, mm. and it's it is around all the time and it's on local. Oh, that's why TV. the producer
1: didn't want you to ask that question. I'm like, I think right. the producer would really want you to ask. That no, question.
2: he oh. his father was the yep. first person got to it. hire her right. got it. as a lawyer. And so she was very, very happy to do this film so about great. his dad. Yeah, that's so cool. that's the Sandra Day O'Connor. Story. I want
0: to talk about the documentary films, but before I do that, I want to point out how striking the opening of this book is when you describe basically Germany in South America. She goes. The opening scene is mm. you know a bunch of Germans sitting around and doing German things in Brazil, right?
2: Ah uh, yes, in, Brazil. in southern Brazil, any given town and yeah. so do you think yeah. being a filmmaker helps you? Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. that, scene setting? I think it did. Mm-hmm. I also think it was a frustrated uh, desire to be a novelist. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I actually started writing a novel before this about uh, Latin America during World War II. And I did the first 25 pages. And Andy loved them, my agent. He just loved them. I said, this is great. And I just kept going. And he said, stick with the first 25 pages and stick to nonfiction. <laughs> Harsh. Wow. Harsh, but that's Andy. Yeah. I mean, he's I, you wonderful, know what you need, but, you know, he's pushy, that. and he's very clear. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you need. Um, they, I agree. They say 99% of what you need is trust, and I trust him.
0: We're going to go back to Tango War, but I do want to talk about documentary filmmaking. And I jokingly said in the intro, I have a bone to pick with you, because you describe yourself as an accidental filmmaker. And I know a ton of would-be filmmakers <laughs> who are doing, trying to do it on purpose and not completing that task.
2: I had really good subjects.
0: How did you become an accidental filmmaker
2: i through journalism, I was writing about uh, a, a woman that I had met who had been a survivor of the worst massacre in uh, if you can if you can put them on a scale of which massacre is mm-hmm. worse, but one of uh, one of the worst in Guatemala and she had been. Adopted, it was an Iowa housewife worked for Merle Norman, and wow. it's a it's a it's a rather long story. But I became friends with her and went back to with her when she went to visit her community, and uh, I said, God, this has got to be a film. And I start. I had been working before with Pat Flynn, who had been working at National Public Radio, I think, and so we applied to. Uh, PBS uh, and to Latino uh, film uh, places and to, to a lot of other very, very gracious uh, funders. Mm-hmm. And we got the money to make a big, serious documentary film that's still on TV. And, <laughs> oh, I want to check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's called I've Discovering I've- Dominga. Great. And
0: did you know the first thing about making a film?
2: No, but... Yes, it, it's not, no. We had great crew, uh, but uh, uh, what I did, I was interviewing everybody. Mm. And I interviewed them in a way that I knew I would want to write down their quotes mm-hmm. so that in the film, this became the, the, the script of the film, and uh, it's telling stories. It's telling stories a different way. We had Vicente Franco as our mm-hmm. cameraman, and who's absolutely legendary. And uh, uh, it, it all worked out well.
0: And I guess that makes sense to me now, that you found the role within the filmmaking process that suited you as the writer. Absolutely. And I also think it's very striking that you have an ability to see a story – and to see the best way it needs to be told, even if you have no experience telling it in that manner.
2: It also helps that I'm just a movie freak. (laughs) I agree, (laughs) because you really take in how it unfolds in filmmaking.
1: But I do think that that understanding can be very helpful in writing as well. I mean, maybe not to too great an extreme, but to start with a great scene is always
2: the best way. It's important, I think, and it, it gives you atmosphere. For one reason with Tangle War is that... I mean, I was born after the war. I, mm-hmm. I, we Most people that are going to read the book were born after the war. We have no idea of the atmosphere at the time. And, and it's, that's it, what was important to it, set It's up.
0: fantastic, too, because it draws you in and lets you know that this isn't going to be dry and academic. You know, you're going to get a ton of information. It is very, uh, very researched. But it's also going to tell a story.
2: That's right. Yeah, that's what you want. I think as pe- a reader. I think people are more apt to read that mm-hmm. rather than say this is a history of you know, mm-hmm. rather sure. to say this is a story about what happened. Mm-hmm. Did that inform your choosing a title as well? You know it just occurred to me as a as a would be tango dancer mm-hmm. <laughs> that the um is something that's universally understood right. and right. we understand sort of the intimacy when mm-hmm. we hear the word tango. And I realized in my research that everything one side was doing, the next side would do. Oh. Then one side was doing, then the next side would do. So one followed the steps of the other very, very closely.
1: And also, yeah, your book has a, an airplane on the cover. And tango is one of the words for tea, right? In mm-hmm. it was used in World War II. Because my, my dad still spells like
0: that. Does he? Yeah. Whiskey tango foxtrot? Exactly,
2: that kind of thing. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful.
0: (laughs) Were there ever any times during the researching of the book that it was overwhelming and you thought, maybe I can't do this? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: <laughs> pretty constantly. <laughs> pretty much every day. You should see. You should see. I first, first of all, I spilled over from my office into this other room that I was supposed to be sharing with my daughter to do crafts and things. <laughs> Forget about Uh-oh, it. Oh, into the craft room. <laughs> well, it, it. I you know I call it a a, a cabinet of curiosities. Hmm. It's where I keep things that are just like too weird to actually put. For in, public consumption. Right, exactly. And, and things I've collected. And, you know, it's the old-fashioned idea of a cabinet of curiosities. And uh, we would, you know, that's where the sewing machine is. Anyway, yeah. so all of a sudden I'm in two rooms. And then upstairs I start to be in three rooms. And I said, something is wrong with the way I'm doing this. But it was it was so fascinating to me in the public library, the San Francisco public library system, was absolutely fabulous. They would find things to me and get them to my local branch so in no great. time. The shout me- out to the, the public. Shout fans of SFPL. And right the Mechanics Institute oh. Library oh. Also big fans gave of us a room. My two friends that also write, and every week we exchange pages on a Wednesday, and then we go over them and meet great. on a Friday in this little room at Mechanics. And so I'll tell fantastic. you, libraries are the salvation of writers.
0: Agreed. I agree. Agreed. And and I think in this day and age, often overlooked, that people will skip right over the library and go to this little machine right here in front of me. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, How can you do that? You need to read the whole book, Mm -hmm. not just get the quotes. And Mm -hmm. you also need to be in the place.
0: Well, I absolutely agree. And I think we may be relics. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I love just being there.
2: Well, as a journalist, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as long as journalists are around, I think
1: uh, that would be the case. But as nonfiction writers, I'm more and more convinced that you have to go to the places that you're writing mm. about. You have to kind of walk in the footsteps of the people who were there before you. It makes a huge difference.
0: Actually, I will argue even as a fiction writer. I, mean, oh, I, know, yeah. that no, I fiction know that not all fiction writers agree. Yeah, I know you But do you got to go. you got to feel I, it. I
2: think it's huge. Unless I you're do.
0: making up a fake place.
2: I think you can feel it when the yeah. author doesn't really
1: get. The place. I mean, I've had that experience myself, where I've written about something, and then I have the chance later to go there, and, and I think, like, oh, oh shoot. God, that not thing even would close. have been <laughs> not even close, and also, I mean, descriptively close, maybe because mm-hmm. I can look at pictures and I can see old photographs or whatever. But something where I think that would have been the thing,
2: and just mm-hmm. being on the ground, seeing it, knowing it, absolutely, it. and talking to people. Because yeah. one thing I noticed with the tangle word I never would have gotten from Google or books, mm-hmm. is how. Certain things are deliberately forgotten in the places that they happen. And that adds another layer, I think, to any kind of work about history. Mm -hmm. Which things are remembered? Which things are falsely remembered? you,
0: You get into that really early in Mexico City.
2: Oh, with the Aztecs. I was trying with to think of the name. What were they right, called? The, the Aztecs. Aztecs.
0: <laughs> Which is an awesome name, by Isn't
2: the way. Isn't it? <laughs> hey, just as good as the smoking cobras, <laughs> the Brazilians. <laughs> smoking cobras <laughs> is good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the soaring Aztecs was a, 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 a flying unit that uh, flew on the, in the Philippines on the side of the Allies. And uh, they're not very well remembered. In fact, I did some of my asking around of people right in front of the monument to them, which is about two yeah, stories tall. Yeah, you mentioned tall. that. I need to ask my dad about them because he was a pilot in the South Pacific. Oh.
1: Um,
2: so I'll ask him. Yes, ask him if he knew any of the uh, the, the soaring... Soaring Aztecs. Soaring Aztecs,
1: right. Those, he does have amazing Aztecs. stories, though, where... Um, that come up in the present day where he'll say, uh, the, that you would not think were part of history, for example, transgendered or gay service people that he worked with, Mm. um, in the South Pacific. And he'd say like, oh, we all knew about that. And he has, I mean, I can't remember. I should actually, I need to write down some of the things he's told me though. Um, one of the guys who was always on the, like they talked to the people who were landing, he was called like Auntie Flynn and he wore a dress and he... Like Klinger. Like Klinger, yeah, oh, exactly. Like Klinger. And he was, and and my dad was like, and everyone knew that he wanted to be referred to as a woman and it was like no big deal because he was the best damn guy to get you down. Oh, wonderful. Um, and anyway, so we think this, that we've invented all these things, but you know, no. they've,
2: they've existed no. throughout history, right? Well, and also, it's been so long since I finished the book, not really, but mm-hmm. I, yeah. I feel mm-hmm. since so I finished the writing and yet I've got this impulse to ask you, can I talk to your dad, uh, of course. <laughs> because, like, anybody that had have to talk right. loudly, <laughs> yeah.
0: so we've reached a part of the podcast where we look forward. Oh yeah! And I have to ask, the type of journalism you do and all the traveling you do, is there a shelf life
2: uh, for
0: for you to do it?
2: Is there a shelf life for the history of— I guess of it's a
0: long way of asking, what's your next book?
2: Oh, that's just what my agent asked me. <laughs> He's like, I just— <laughs> no, I don't, mean, no, I don't no, mean the topic. I, I
0: mean your— uh, impetus- Do I have a shelf
2: life? I hope You're impetus so. to
0: do it, to want I to keep like, traveling. Take on a big
1: project, Yeah, to take go on a huge project, to... travel around. Mm, like that maybe is, what better, is what's better. Don't kill me, everybody, about writing a novel. I don't
2: know. Yeah, I just don't really want to— It's pretty big. And uh, if you think the World War II is big, then this is pretty big. Your next one? Yeah. But I don't think, You already know what it is. You have to one, I do. To say. This I mean, one I, takes
0: place in outer space.
2: No, <laughs> no. That would be wonderful. My dad was a rocket scientist. Literally. No, cool. Yeah, literally a rocket scientist. That space. would be cool. no real. rocket
0: science. Oh, wait a
2: minute. Yeah, no. Let me tell you. <laughs> but um, it, uh, and it's Latin America. hmm mm-hmm. And it's... Um, which sort of starts where the tangle war leaves off. So leave you, uh, ha- you're you
1: willing to jump back in? It's like childbirth.
2: I can't, I can't, I can't imagine what else to do. Mm-hmm. What else would I do?
0: Is, is, and is Latin America your life's work? Is Apparently, telling stories about? Not
2: really, because I love the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of experience in the Middle East. I, but you've
0: I, got three books in Latin America. Yeah,
2: I do. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I might be tempted to do something about the Middle East at yeah. some point. I love Europe. Both of my uh, my my husbands now a, an Italian citizen as well. And my Ooh. daughter's going to be. And we like to go there. Oh, I'm so, so jealous. Yeah, no, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so... I, you know, I don't know, Larry. I just I don't, don't know. Know. Oh, I know.
0: Sky is <laughs> wide impressed. open, uh, and we've reached the end of this podcast, and we didn't even get to talk about yachting or catamaraning or any of that stuff. That's
1: <laughs> when you live, live a rich life.
0: It's too big to fit <laughs> into one big. podcast. <laughs> nice too big for work. Hour. And I promised you, Mary Joe, a chance to talk about your website and where to find the book and upcoming events. Remember, this this airs. October 8th so mm. anything soon after yeah. that go ahead and give well, a shout out to the
2: best place to find the book is your local bookstore if they don't have it which actually a lot of them do yeah. uh, mm-hmm. but you know it. just ask for it and they'll, it'll be there in a couple of days it's also online all of the places that you're all your favorite places online
0: wherever fine books are sold
2: wherever fine books are sold and I'll be at uh, Litquake on the 14th talking about spies and espionage with Ooh. the Swiss uh, uh, novelist the name of whose book is Death and, uh, <laughs> does it translate to death or is it just death it's death and That's the um, uh, Miami Book Fair and uh, that should be a good audience for you yes it'll be wonderful oh, yeah. and a couple places in Chicago um, and can they and go to your please website come to and find the those? website, and the Chicago events will be up soon and it's www.tangowar.com Dot com and you get to see a little video, which was Shelf Awareness's video of the oh, day, nice. book video of so the day. Nice. So it's kind of fun to watch. Super nice. And
0: for more information, you have an author site too.
2: I go to Tango War. Okay, start yeah, Tango War. War. That's the best you to remember too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, yeah. And, and from there, you can go to my blog, and then you work backwards. Okay. <laughs> thank you. If anyone's that interested, <laughs> thank you so much. This is really it's been, been great. Thank having you for you on. coming the day after your launch. So cool.
1: Right. No no and there's one tonight. And one tonight in West Gosh, Portal. You're amazing.
0: <laughs> uh, now we'll take a little time to, to hawk ourselves. BQ you first.
1: Okay. How about um, you can find me at BQuinterest on Twitter and Instagram, or go to BridgetQuinnAuthor.com.
0: Um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Larry Rosen, and go to isitgoodforthejews.com if you can't get enough of me and want to hear my other podcasts. I can, really. Really. And as for us here at The Grotto, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Grotto Pod.
1: Yeah.
0: You can email us at grottopod at gmail.com. Uh, and you can subscribe to our newsletter that way, too.
1: Oh, yeah. We got the that
0: art. newsletter. Shows up every week, tells it's you who's on. Really good. It's fantastic. Don't forget. To go to iTunes, subscribe,
1: subscribe, you guys, and rate Download, us. Give be us one five. of the lucky
0: people in 71 countries who listen to I know, the grotto pod. How About That's the amazing. countries I've no, never so even heard wonderful. of, I'm lying about that part. No, I've yeah, heard of you've them
1: all. Uh, You know what, we We need to thank, well, Beth Weingarner, for one thing, as our producer, and also the writer of The Fabulous Newsletter. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, Lorianne Doyle and Lee Kravitz. And, hey, let's thank our partners, Babylon Salon, the Bay Area's premier reading series, and the San Francisco Public Library, always in our hearts.
0: You're on a roll, so why don't you finish up?
1: Um, Okay, I just want to say, you guys, listen, read, write, and just keep working.